Section 4 of The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 4, January 1897. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 4, January 1897. Section 4. The Man Without a Name by francis m butler richmond virginia in july eighteen sixty five the heat was intense the sun glaring down on the almost deserted streets making the blackness of the burnt district look blacker than ever by force of contrast in the capitol square however the grass looked fresh and green and the tree tops rustled in the breeze it was such a relief to the weary young man who turned in from the street to one of the broad walks of the square that he paused in the shade and lifting his hat from his brow stood still and looked about him at the same moment two men talking together at a little distance parted company one of them in passing glanced at the young man under the tree stopped short and extended his hand captain peyton i believe said he i fear you don't remember me my name is browning i did not recognize you at first doctor but when you spoke i knew you immediately said peyton then after touching gravely upon the sweeping changes made by war since their last meeting he continued are you living in richmond now yes as well here as elsewhere said dr browning with a sigh and you oh i am tobacco planting up in the country i have exchanged my sword for a ploughshare you are lucky to have something to settle too said the other so many of our poor boys are utterly at sea with no idea where to turn for a living by the by we have here a most singular and painful case i was speaking of it to my friend just now with the last batch of prisoners of war sent home from the hospitals in and around washington came a man wounded and taken prisoner some time last spring no one knows exactly when or where it seems he had a severe contusion on the head and several bad flesh wounds altogether a bad case of inflammation and brain fever well the unfortunate man has lost his memory completely all his life prior to his illness is a blank he has not a clue to his identity no one knows anything about him he is a lost atom what is to become of him is a puzzle how terrible exclaimed peyton surely he must remember his state no he remembers nothing not even his arm of the service as i said his mind is a blank concerning his entire life up to the time when he regained consciousness after many weeks in the hospital he has forgotten even his name similar cases are recorded in fact they are not uncommon but usually there are some clues or friends or acquaintances to identify one this poor fellow is as completely isolated as though he had dropped from another sphere peyton's hazel eyes softened sympathetically i can conceive of nothing more terrible he said does he seem a man of education yes i should judge so his manners are quite those of a gentleman said dr browning but it is hard to say 
he is shy and reticent seems quite hopeless his case has been noticed in the papers he went on after a pause and i have sent advertisements to several of our principal cities and towns but in these days of chaos come again newspapers are a poor medium of communication in this part of the world he has been in richmond some weeks but the mystery is no nearer a solution i don't know that i could help you at all said peyton but do you know i feel tremendously interested in this man in fact i would like to see him if i might then as dr browning assented genially the two walked away together down grace street to the boarding-house where this mysterious patient was staying the man was sitting at the window of his room when they entered but rose to welcome them what his age was it was impossible to judge from his appearance his hair scanty and quite grey and his bowed figure might have belonged to an old man but his dark eyes were bright and intelligent and his face though thin and delicate was not lined with age as he came forward he limped and seemed to move with difficulty i have been telling captain peyton about you john said dr browning and as an old confederate companion in arms he wished to come and see you i am very glad to meet captain peyton and am obliged to him for his kind interest said the man in a low pleasant voice peyton looked at him inquiringly no he had never seen him before of that he was certain dr browning has told me of your misfortune said he kindly and though i have not much in my power just now i should be more than glad if i could help you in any way mr Peyton broke off in confusion, remembering suddenly that the poor fellow had no name. The men, said the other gently, call me Johnny. Dr. Browning suggests that I shall call myself John Richmond. Only until you succeed in finding out the name you really own, said the doctor cheerfully. It certainly must be very inconvenient to be without a label in this workaday world while the doctor was speaking john lifted his eyes to peyton's face with such a look of patient hopeless woe that the young man felt his heart go out to him with pity let us hope you will soon be all right said he trying to speak encouragingly and then moved by an unaccountable impulse he found himself suddenly pressing john richmond to return home with him to bendivar as an assistant on his farm to the latter's doubts and protestations the doctor replied with such accounts of the bracing effects of the mountain air and out-of-door exercise that richmond was finally won over at least he admitted he knew something of horses and would make a trial of the new life so unexpectedly opened to him after arranging that his new assistant should meet him at the railway station the next day peyton left the house as he said to interview a man who wanted to sell him two old mules at half their value poor chap he thought as he walked slowly down grace street i never felt so sorry for any one in my life i really don't know how i can stand having him around such a strain on one's feelings and yet i somehow felt obliged to offer him help what a pet mother and lucy will make of him between them it will go hard if they don't manufacture him a memory the next morning saw mr peyton and john richmond arrived at bentivar the home of the peytons 
The estate was situated in Albemarle County, near the pretty little town of Charlottesville, which nestles in the valley of the Rivanna, encircled by the grand sweep of the Blue Ridge Mountains. The ravages of war had spared the fine old homestead. The Negroes, for the most part, still clung to their old home and except that the daughter of the house wore the dress of a widow and her mother mourned two sons dead on the field of battle externally little was changed mr peyton's mother his sister mrs lee and her little daughter rosa formed the family at bentivar and it needed only the telling of john richmond's sad story to enlist all their sympathies in his behalf a house in the yard used formerly by the elder mr peyton as a business office was fitted up for richmond's use and there he was soon quite at home mr peyton reported him a valuable assistant in managing the plantation and wonderful in his knowledge of horseflesh little rosa lee was devoted to him from the first the dogs too quite deserted the roomy porticoes of the house to lie on the little porch of the office watching with dumb sympathy the lonely man as he sat in his favourite seat his sad gaze fixed on the distant blue of the mountains have you no remembrance of some place or person of which you sometimes have a glimpse mrs lee asked him one day most people i think have those shadowy memories of childhood no said richmond sadly i thought i could remember having been in richmond but every man in the army has probably been there at some time during the war names places everything is a blank if it were not that feeling seems dulled i think i should have gone crazy long ago there is one thing he went on moved to confidence by the sympathy in her soft eyes i know i had a wife fair and young with golden hair like that of little rosa since i have been here i have dreamed of her i had never done so before i see her oh so plainly she calls me by my name a short name i think of one syllable but when i awake i cannot remember it sometimes i fancy that could i only remember that it would be a clue to everything else even to remember so much is a gain said mrs lee cheerfully dr browning said the return of memory was generally gradual i have some lists of names christian names and surnames which i will send you try reading them over to see if any seem familiar richmond thanked her with his usual grave courtesy as she went up the path to the house mrs lee looked back at the lonely figure on the porch of the office his drooping head listless hands indeed his whole attitude expressed sadness isolation hopelessness he will never know she thought and as her mind conjured up the picture of his young wife waiting for him in some southern home uncertain of his fate a wave of feeling overwhelmed her before she could reach her room her brother had come upon her in the big entrance hall and distressed at her evident grief gently drew from her the cause but at peyton's suggestion that he ought to send richmond from this household already burdened with its own sorrows she protested earnestly don't think of that she cried he is still so weak besides it is good for me to have someone to take care of indeed it is 
well well said peyton i can't have you make yourself sick over him remember poor girl he thought as lucy passed up the stairs after all caring for him may as she says keep her from brooding over her own sorrow and then his mind turned to that other girl widow bereaved like lucy by the recent war it had been six years since he met margaret wiley at the new orleans boarding-school where she was then his sister's roommate at that time she had been only a bright-eyed schoolgirl yet even then he had loved her deeply and hoped to make her his wife and the strength of that love had survived the news of her sudden marriage and the years of silence and separation as its delicacy had respected her widowhood it was not from native kindliness alone that peyton's manly sympathy had sprung his own secret sorrow had brought him into closer kinship with all who suffered one morning early in the spring of eighteen sixty six john richmond stood on the lawn at bentivar the sun had just risen the birds were singing their dawn songs from the farmyard sounded the tramp of the cows marching out to pasture and the shrill cackle of the hens somewhere somebody was whistling a lively tune far away the blue of the mountains seemed to melt into the deeper blue of the sky the hills and valleys were clothed with tender green except where the rich chocolate hue of the soil told of freshly ploughed furrows the woodlands showed that first faint hue before the green which beautifies the trees before they fairly burst into leaf a year john was thinking a whole year and not a trace no clue i wonder i do not go mad with the horror of it shall i die like a nameless dog i have conned lists of names until my brain was dizzy i have pored over maps and read accounts of battles hoping for some cue some word some name which might bridge the chasm all in vain one is as familiar as another i seem to have heard them all and yet sometimes i seem to be on the verge of discovery it is all there but shrouded with a veil i cannot pierce in my dreams i see her i hear her but when i awake the sound of a step approaching interrupted him he turned and greeted mr peyton with his usual grave military salute mr peyton said he if you can spare me i should like to ride into charlottesville to-day then as peyton assented secretly a little surprised for richmond rarely cared to go abroad he continued the fact is mr peyton i dreamed last night such vivid dreams and though as usual i can't remember them the impression remains that i dreamed of charlottesville and that i found there some trace some sign i hardly know what some clue to my former self and life upon peyton's pressing him to explain what he meant by impression i can hardly explain said richmond lifting his mournful eyes with their depths of patient woe to peyton's face and then fixing them again on the distant mountains as i have told you i dream always of my wife last night it seemed to me that she was in distress she needed my help i knew why in my dream but when i awoke in agony her voice sounding in my ears i could remember nothing not even the name by which she called me 
and yet i feel as if i must soon find out it is as if i could know all except for a sort of thick veil which interposes between my waking self and my full consciousness but which is partly withdrawn in my sleep it seems foolish but i have a sort of presentiment that something awaits me in charlottesville he had really spoken so freely and peyton's heart ached for the man as he realized once more the sadness of his isolation a few moments later richmond was on horseback riding into the town his way lay along the banks of the rivanna now clothed with tender green purple with violets and gay with the scarlet and yellow columbines the air was balmy and met him at every turn with a soft caress almost like a kiss something like a hope revived in the heart of the lonely man he checked his horse took off his hat and raised his right hand oh god he prayed aloud grant me a sign a token only let me know and i will be content he looked around almost expecting to hear a voice or to see a sign in the clouds but all was still except for a robin on a bough overhead who broke out into his spring song be cheery be cheery the notes seemed to say and a little red ground squirrel ran chirping along a fallen tree trunk by the roadside in the town richmond executed a commission or two for mr peyton inquired at the post office for letters then visited the newspaper offices and finally the telegraph station there were no tidings for him anywhere more dispirited than ever for that transient gleam of hope now faded he walked aimlessly through the streets of the quiet little town presently he overtook two or three carriages following a white hearse that contained a tiny coffin almost without knowing what he did he followed it the cemetery gates stood open and he passed in halting under a budding tree just inside some distance beyond him the procession stopped at a little grave one slight figure clad in black and veiled in crape he thought must be the mother he was too far away to distinguish her features but he divined the anguish that filled her heart and shook her frame the clergyman's clear solemn tones broke the silence repeating the burial service a turtle-dove near by cooed gently calling to its mate the sunshine fell golden on the green turf as the clergyman stooped and taking a handful of earth scattered it gently on the little coffin a low sob burst from the mother's lips at that sound john richmond felt himself seized by an almost overmastering impulse to rush to the woman's side to cry out how i wish that i were in your child's place and he were again in your arms then the wave of feeling ebbed leaving him cold and sick with trembling limbs he made his way out of the cemetery and back to the place where he had left his horse on the way he entered a little restaurant and asked for a cup of coffee when the girl in attendance brought it she looked at him with pity in her eyes ain't you sick she asked no i am only tired he answered she went away and he saw her speaking with another woman when he passed them on his way out struck for death he heard the elder woman say he wondered dully what she meant by that 
As he rode homeward by the beautiful river road, taking no heed of the fresh beauty of nature, which, in the morning, had lifted his soul heavenward, for now the last spark of hope was extinguished. When he dismounted at Bentivar, he was so weak that the frightened hostler helped him to his room and called the ladies of the house. When Peyton came in, he heard that Richmond was quite prostrated. I have feared this, he said to his mother and sister that evening. He has been growing weaker all winter, and though he never complains, I am sure he suffers. Browning warned me that if he did not recover his memory, his mental anxiety would certainly undermine his bodily health. It had already been weakened, you know, by his long illness. Peyton sighed. Did he say anything about his presentiment? asked Mrs. Lee, after a short silence no replied peyton he only shook his head when i said something about it he couldn't speak you know but i never saw a sadder more hopeless face dr allen thinks he will soon be able to be out again but there can only be one end to it all if we could only find that dream wife he might get well i sometimes wonder if she has any existence apart from his dreams neither the spring months nor the radiant virginia summer brought the hope that alone meant health to the lonely man at bentivar one evening early in autumn john richmond very feeble now had walked into the orchard adjoining the lawn and was sitting on a bench under a wide-spreading apple-tree in the shadow of a tall hedge the full moon was rising in the east while above the western mountains the clouds of sunset were piled in jewel-tinted masses on the lawn some visitors were strolling in twos and threes from the open windows of the house floated gay voices and laughter then a carriage drove away the lonely man sat quiet under the tree they are all so kind so considerate he thought and yet i am as much alone as solitary as though i were a castaway on a desert island he took off his hat and raising his eyes to the skies where a few stars were beginning to appear o oh, father in heaven he murmured if the end be not far off grant that i may know before i go if only for one hour then he bowed his head and sat in silence presently little rosalie who had spied him from the lawn came rushing to his side dear mr richmond said the child why do you sit here all by yourself i have been wondering where you could be it is so restful dear he said gently i love to sit here and look at the beautiful mountains i think i shall not be here to see them very much longer he continued speaking more to himself than to the child she stood silent looking at him then she said mamma said i must not tease you but can't you remember anything yet not one little teenty bit no my darling he answered i have almost given up trying i shall remember in another world and taking the hand of the child he added earnestly i should like to know before i go pray for me rosa that it may be so i will mr richmond said the child looking at him with serious eyes and i will ask mamma and grandma and aunt margaret too she isn't truly my aunt you know she's mamma's old friend that she hasn't seen since they went to school she's just come to-night and she's so lovely i do love her so much 
and mamma says i must be as good to her as i can for her husband and her little boy are in paradise we never saw them but if you should go there as you say mr richmond you will remember everything and you can tell them all about us my papa is there too i expect you will all be friends together she smiled at him and he stroked her hair with his feeble hand that soft fair hair it always reminded him of his lost wife rosa was silent for a moment but her little tongue was never still for very long aunt margaret has brought you a present nice things i expect for mamma told her all about you and that you were a soldier she says she loves soldiers for her husband was one and to-morrow she is coming to see you in your house and i am coming with her she is very kind said richmond but his thoughts had drifted away and the child divining his abstraction presently ran off to join her mother richmond sat quite still the shadows deepened and the moonlight flooded the landscape with a silver radiance far off a whippoorwill reiterated his melancholy chant unobserved by richmond two persons had sauntered down the lawn until now they paused in the shadow of the hedge a short distance from the silent figure under the apple-tree at first they did not attract his attention but presently peyton for it was he raised his voice in speaking to his companion i have waited margaret he said passionately i have waited for years i loved you before you ever saw him i tell you you are throwing away your life and mine for a dream a fancy edward his companion replied and her low clear tones were distinctly audible in the silence edward i believe him to be alive i have told you that he was never proved dead only missing do you suppose that i am like enoch arden's wife no i would wait for him forever every day i listened for his step upon the stair when i stood by my child's grave at charlottesville last spring i felt until the very last that he would come back to comfort me i see him constantly in my dreams always entreating me to come to him to follow him only last night he seemed to stand by my bed i rose in my sleep to follow him and awoke standing with outstretched arms calling rex rex as she spoke unconsciously raising her voice as she repeated the name the figure hidden under the apple-tree in the shadow of the hedge rose and took a step or two forward margaret margaret he cried staggering out into the moonlight before peyton transfixed with amazement could make a movement his companion with a cry of recognition had flung herself into her husband's outstretched arms rex rex she sobbed i knew that i should find you on the moonlight flooded lawn two figures etched against the black hedge stood tranced in an embrace like that of eternal marble while out in the shadowy path another figure with bent head and clenched hands strode slowly away alone end of section four